0: We were talking about gaming right before the show. I have one claim to fame when it comes to gaming. I used to play the original Smash Bros. on the Nintendo 64. I got good at it because I was a homeschooled kid with nothing better to do. Long summer afternoons. I was not good in any professional sense of the word, but if I met any friends casually, I would win. Two of my nephews asked me, Hey, Joshua, have you ever played Smash Bros.? I said, yeah, I've played it. And i are like, do you want to play with us? And I sat down and played, and of course I chose Kirby. 20 minutes later, one of my nephews picked up his controller, threw it to the ground, and stormed out of the room. And that was my greatest moment in gaming (laughs) ever.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Uncle Josh still knows what's up.
2: My claim to fame gaming is Guitar Hero. I'm the Guitar Hero I used to be the guitar hero champion back in the day when they had guitar hero in arcades and i would go to my local arcades and i'd top score all of the songs i I wasn't always the top scorer but i was always the top three on on any song i played
1: now how many people were playing guitar hero back in i not to like discount your prowess but i'm just curious oh
2: come on (laughs) it was it was huge
1: did you have the whole setup at home like the drum set and the guitar and all that stuff
2: I did at one stage with Rock Band, and we had that on the Wii. What about you, Luke? What's your gaming claim to fame?
1: Mario Kart. Mario Kart is my claim to fame. I can destroy anybody I come across. It's gotten to the point where my brother and I would sit down and on the Switch, and we would play through all 48 races in a row and see who could get the highest score. It would take about two hours to get through all 48. And we'd get, like, we would max it all the way up. It'd be 200cc, hard comms. It'd be the whole shebang. And we would probably lose, or, and by lose, I mean not first place, probably five races out of the 48, give or take. So recently I've started, because <laughs> I have a life, I don't have a life. I've recently started playing against, like, you know, the online. Like, I, one of my friends was paying for the subscription and we went and played online. Oh my God. Goodness, dude! They get I get destroyed. I I mean, I'll I'll win maybe like thirty percent of the races, but like the rest of them, it's just like bam Like everyone's at my level, just like ripping. So, Mario Kart Online. If if you guys love Mario Kart, um, send us an email. It's at email at ultrapremax.fm and challenge me. I will I will hit you up.
0: You know, Connect Four, that little kids game. Have we talked about this? It is a, oh,
1: yes. It's beatable, right? It's a
0: beatable game. Yeah, I think we've talked about this. That's one where I can beat someone 10 times in a row if they don't understand the little trick to it. And it's just a delight. Like, hey, do you want to play this little fun kids game? <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, I need to learn the trick. Uh, I don't expect you to teach me, so Google or chat GPT question mark. Here I come. S-
0: center row start first. Basically, and there there uh, there are a few strategies. One being, every move you make, it becomes a possible. It needs to be possible to be a four later. Don't make any moves that couldn't be a four later. So you basically are just setting up a ton of potential fours. Um, then you'll see people who are doing defensive moves that they don't actually create any. There's a whole like little simple strategy to it. This is this is why people
2: tune into Ultra Pro Max. There are seven columns in a connect four game. And that means that if you want to get a group of four, you've got to use the center column. You can't get four in a row without getting a center column. Anything in the center column.
1: Now on each row, do you need the center column? Each row?
2: Yeah, every every row, whether you're going, I mean you can get up and down, straight up and down, but you get so many more opportunities, whether it's diagonal or or left to right, right to left, then you get so many more opportunities with the center column, so you just fill it up with as many of yours
0: as you can and, and you can't lose. And if both people are doing that strategy, the person who started first has more advantage.
1: So if you both know the strategy, really what happens is the center column just gets filled all the way up first, and then you start playing the game. Ah, interesting. And intro. All right, here we go. Okay. Uh, welcome, everybody. to this is, what is this, episode, are we episode 10? Wow! Episode 10 of Ultra Pro Max, the podcast where we talk about app development, the Apple ecosystem, and how to crush your nephews at Connect4. Getting into the Apple stuff, Joshua, it says here that you canceled the Apple One. Uh, Explain to our users what that is and uh, what's next for you. (laughs)
0: Uh, So Apple One is this subscription because Apple has been doing a big subscriptions game the last, what, five or six years? That's where... the bulk of their new revenue is coming from, so they've created a bundle of services, which includes Apple Arcade, Apple Music, Apple uh, Fitness Plus, Apple TV, and storage. Am I, is that all of them, Sadia? I, I think.
2: Hmm.
0: Oh, no, news. there's news as well. <laughs> <laughs> I found it useful twice in the last year when I wanted, I got a paywall and I went and found it in Apple News. It, it's been a very useful bundle that I've had now for about a year after paying separately for storage, arcade on and off, Apple TV on and off, and, uh, and music on and off. And the music on and off is because I keep switching between Apple Music and Spotify and Pandora. It's a whole journey. It, and it still ha- it remembers all of my decisions I made over a decade. So it's like this nostalgic trip that I go in there. It, it plays the songs I liked a decade ago that I happen to still like today. So it, it works perfectly for me. Um, I invested several years into working the algorithm. That means they're an old person. I am getting old, yes. My music choices are starting to uh, solidify.
1: Calcify a little Calcify. bit. Calcify.
0: Earlier this year, I got the Apple One bundle because I realized that separately, the things I was paying for cost more than individually, so I went for it. And then they raised the prices last month. Apple News was the biggest price increase, which to me is a complete joke. So many of the other services make a lot of sense. That one makes no sense whatsoever. And I also, I, I need the terabyte or two terabytes of storage. I unbundled them last month after the price increase. Because
1: it's now, what, is, what was it and what is it I now? I think it's it went $37.95? to
0: $37, yeah, for in America. What I did is I unbundled it and just paid for storage separately. So I dropped all the rest. But then, so we were going to talk about this a month ago, but what's happened subsequently is I've turned Apple Music back on separately. I've turned on uh, Apple TV Plus back on separately <laughs> because my wife and I want to watch the new show that just came out. And my wife's like, hey, where's our music? <laughs> so I turned that back on. So I my original uh, topic was going to be screw it, I'm done. And now... I might have to just turn it back on again. And it's it's interesting. Bundling works. It really does work well. If there's just enough of them in there, Apple News, you are useless. You'll never be valuable to me. But a lot of the rest I really like. <laughs> I love the Apple One bundle, but I don't think it works
2: for me because I uh, am in a unique situation where... I am going to pay for Apple Music no matter what. I'm going to pay for Apple Arcade no matter what. And I really like Apple Fitness Plus. You're probably going to get me to pay for that no matter what. And I pay for the iCloud storage as well no matter what. I would be paying. How does the bundle not work? It, it works for me really well, but it doesn't work for Apple when I'm the customer. They're losing money on me. Top that off with I've got a completely, I've got four kids, so my family plan is maxed out. And I can't, I'm having, this is, this is the biggest problem with having a fifth child. I've got another, another child due in January on the way. And I don't know what I'm going to do, guys. Like, what am I going to do? The Apple one subscription only supports four children. I'm going to have to
0: kick someone out. Have no way around that. You can't add another child.
1: Maybe a decade from now. They'll patch that. Yeah. It would be nice to maybe pay a little extra for an extra two people.
2: Yeah. That'd be nice. But no, it's not possible. I'm going to have to wait until my eldest son is old enough to fend for himself and kick him out officially from the family and say, sorry, you're on your own, son. You're a man now. You get your own account. uh, Invite invite the new baby in. So what I'm trying to say is it's important to spread the distance between your children. Like when you get to having children, spread them out so that... You
0: can effectively manage your. I will give the counterpoint that I have several friends who had kids spread out over 15 to 20 years and they described to me that they are tired. So there's a counterpoint to that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: I might pay the extra 20 bucks a month to get them all out five years earlier. The next thing on our list here Joshua's journey to using text to audio for a book. Are you using AI to throw it like skip Audible and throw all the text from a book into an AI generator or.
0: I've had an ideal in my mind for several years since I started writing novels. I want to be able to write and then go on a run and listen back to what I wrote that day just to process it. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a few ways you could do that. I could record myself every day, which doubles or triples my time trying to write each day. Or I could use AI to generate in a voice what I just typed. And I've tried a bunch of options, uh, 11 Labs is fantastic. They're a really good AI. Uh, I think it's using WhisperSync option that allows you to generate audio from text. It's very well done. You can tweak the voices. It's just expensive. It uh, I would For what I need, I'd be paying about $100 a month, and that's just, I'm not generating much income from my book, so it's not worth it right now. I've been hearing people say the alternative is Descript. It's an application which has a Mac, I don't think it's a native app, but it has a Mac app. And what you do is you pay $30 a month for roughly the same amount of uh, processing time. And you drop your text in there. You wait about 15 minutes and it will convert it to um, an AI voice. Then I take that MP3 and I upload it to Overcast, because I'm a premium member. Overcast is a podcast app and it creates in my podcast player an mp3 that I can listen to, and it syncs, and I can pause and play, because trying to listen to any length of mp3 file on an iPhone is really challenging if you want to hold your place later. So I was like, deal, I'm going to pay for Overcast Premium. That is an absolute steal for me to be able to drop the files into there. So plug for Overcast. They're not paying us for this, but that I was surprised is this tiny little hidden feature that Marco put on there. It's perfect for my use case so i'm so happy so i finally have pieced together all of these things so that i can now go on a run listen to what i wrote and then i turn on voice memos with my airpods and i i write i'm doing quotes i speak the next chapter to my iphone i get home i plug it back into descript it takes that audio converts it to text and then i can run back through the whole thing again to be clear i'm not using ai for any of my writing i'm just Using it to switch audio to text, text to audio. I'm so happy it's like the the most the coolest use of technology I've found in the last couple of months. I've been doing something really similar
2: and I think that this this one might even save you a bit of money. OpenAI have a text to speech engine and it's really, really good. Inserts, I mean I, I I think that Eleven Labs. I don't know Descript, but I think Eleven Labs does something like this. But it it reads it back with real meaning, you know, like <laughs> it, it inserts. Eleven Labs
0: is very
2: good at it. Yeah, and and so is OpenAI, and their pricing is token based. So I think you might you're only going to pay for what you use. I think you might save a bit of money uh, on on Descript. It, it might be worth looking at, and of course they have Whisper which is going to do a really good job of taking your notes and turning them back into text. If you want to do it later, I, there is a caveat. There's a caveat, which is that it's an API. It's something you'll have to run a curl command through your terminal for Not too hard. I think now that's open AI. Yeah. It's open AI. Yeah. Uh, and I think that there might be like a playground you can try it with. I'm not sure, but it does exist. It's an API
0: only. Uh, not and that for interface. me is probably going to be the limiting factor because everything you described is perfect i don't mind the 30 dollars a month for Descript because yeah doing a curl command opening up the terminal that immediately <laughs> makes me sweat a little bit because every time i've done it before
2: no i'll just i'll <laughs> send you the command i'll write it for you I'll send you only it need to like you. three commands it's right easy. Just save it in a sticky note or something
0: if you want to try that, I'm happy to follow commands. What inevitably happens every time one of my developer friends tells me this is I go do it and then I follow <laughs> up immediately like, hey, this error happened. What do I do now? I just ask ChatGPT. I, I do that too. Then I say, ChatGPT just told me about here's what I should do. It's not working. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited about this. It's one of those moments where as, well, that's why we have this podcast, as a, a techie geek I finally found something that makes my life a little bit more fun, and I'm just so happy about it. Can I tell you about something I've been
2: working on then? It's not in the show notes, but it's sort of related. There are inside of the ChatGPT premium account, you can create your own custom GPTs, and they're great. You can give them custom endpoints to go and fetch some data from something like you say you want them to get the weather or whatever. So I started out with this, and what I did was I created on Cloudflare, a Cloudflare worker that would just receive JSON data, store it in a key value uh, store, and the, the key for the store would just be whatever path I sent there. So like URL slash calendars, whatever I send there will just be stored in a key value where the key is slash calendars and the value is whatever JSON I sent there right? That's all it does. And then on my phone, I created a shortcut and the shortcut collects up all of my calendar data, formats it in JSON and sends a request to this service that I've created that is running for free. It does that also for my reminders and for my sleep data and a few other things. And I send that all off to this service. And then using the chat GPT's custom GPT model, I tell it about these endpoints that I can go and fetch that data for me. Does that make sense so You're far? With,
1: I'm with you. What does it do? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you so far.
2: So, so then I ask ChatGPT, hey, what's on my day today? What am I doing today? Or do you have any suggestions for things I should do today? And it'll go and it'll check the weather. It'll check my calendar. It'll check my family calendar, all of that sort of thing. And it'll say, oh, you didn't sleep real well last night. You need a nap or something along those lines. But... What I'm working on next is sort of, I won't go into the technical details, but then the next version of that is to use, there's an API that's similar called Assistant. And it's sort of as part, you can create a a custom assistant using ChatGPT that's kind of like a custom GPT in the web interface. And my plan is to have it so that when I wake up, it sends some sort of generic, like give me a summary of the day prompt uh, with you know suggestions and whatever and then it will return that text, and then I'll send it back to be converted into speech, and then that'll send me back an audio file so that when I walk into my office at the start of the day and turn the lights on, it will play a welcome
0: message. I was listening, catching up on ATP, and Casey Liss made a comment that you might, you know you're a geek if you have three Raspberry Pis that tell you when your garage door is open. <laughs> it's yeah. so much extra work we just pour such um, large amounts of energy into doing it but it makes us happy it's it's such a delight this is where we tinker we make new stuff uh, i think you just described the humane ai pin sadia <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes, done with which i don't shortcuts. think we've talked yeah. about that yet on the show but it's it's being panned in the press tech press generally as it's going to fail but this it's a cool idea of what if you can just have a conversation with this little ai device on your on your clothing and try and just have it help you navigate your life and you're making your own version of this which it sounds really cool the
2: surprising thing about it is that i mean so far it is a lot of fun right it's a lot of fun to use and interact with this uh, chat gpt model who knows everything about my life not everything but a good chunk But it's a proof of concept. And we've seen rumors that iOS 18 is going to be heavily AI based, that there'll be huge improvements to Siri or maybe even another model that's not even called Siri and next gen. And this, for me, has been a bit of a proof of concept of what would that be like and how hard is it to build? And the answer is, if you've got an LLM that's as good as GPT-4, then this is so good this is a lot of fun to use it feels genuinely helpful and i'm excited to see what happens in ios 18 but i kind of hope that whatever happens in the next release of ios that this whole system that i'm building becomes defunct that i can shut it down i kind of want this is more like an experiment what would it be like
1: yeah because it gets my it gets my wheels turning about like new apps to create because the ai is off the charts right now but there's The development to kind of connect all the dots like you have is lagging. So if we were to create something like that, we could do pretty well. But like you said, iOS 18 coming out is probably going to connect with all those dots too. Anything we create right now, it's like, are are we going to be able to compete with the the massive company.
0: a fun element of it. And this is something that Federico Vatici has done over at Mac Stories. He'll create little custom shortcuts apps and he'll just talk about it, and then sometimes they get completely uh, Sherlocked by Apple in the following year with their new features. And he just uses it as an opportunity to continue to chat about it, to write about it, to podcast about it, and to keep just iterating. And he's gotten to a certain level where Apple actually, their developers are following what he's saying, and they're starting to incorporate some things he does. So there's a little bit element of you might actually get if you do this well enough, Apple might actually pick up some of your stuff and incorporate it in the future. So, and you got to have fun along the way. So I don't, I think it's kind of fun just to keep tinkering, even if we know it could become obsolete in the future.
1: And I guess I'm looking at it from the lens of how, how can we monetize? Like how can we monetize every little bit of our tinkering? But let's, let's not discount just how fun it is and how fun
2: it is to sometimes we should just tinker. Yeah.
1: Well, speaking about, AI, I don't know if, uh, Sadia, you were looking at the notes and you put that in there, but the very next thing on our notes is about, are we worried about OpenAI and our future?
0: This whole thing, which we don't need to get into, many other podcasts have done it far better, of Sam Altman being kicked out of OpenAI and then coming back, and it's been a vast saga, and Ben Thompson on uh, Stratechery Plus, he was talking about it this week, that there's been some rumors that... One of the five prevailing factors for why the board got rid of Sam Altman was because they've made an advancement with uh, Q Star, which is an artificial general intelligence AI, which might be the next evolution in OpenAI's uh, future. I'm gonna just keep coming back to this topic. This is actually one of the reasons I think that Saudi and I got inspired to create a podcast to begin with is talking about how AI affects technology. If there is today an AI that can do 5th to 6th grade math logically. thats That's been the rumor. That means it will be able to increase very quickly doing more logical work. And what, is, what do we think about that? This is all in the absolute speculation territory. Does that scare you? Does that excite you? And I'll, I'll maybe I'll start with Luke.
1: Well, okay, I want to pick on the logical bit because I've always said you know, looking at ChatGPT and people ask me, how does it help you with coding? I ask English people, how does it help you with English? How does it help you with this, this and that? It's always been a large language model. It's always been generative text. So if anytime you ask it to do any kind of logic, math or higher order logic between different software components, like it just can't, it can't handle it. It's it's just generating text. That's all it's doing. So it it doesn't look at the logical it's predictive
0: it's the next potential word it's not there's no logical model for it correct
1: it's not creating constructs that it's then manipulating and forming relationships between so i haven't so you're saying then that there's a logic model now that can do fifth grade math and that's as far as it's gotten
0: that's the rumor that's been seeping out over the last couple not confirmed yet um, but that's why I want to bring it up to see how what you think if that is happening. Yeah, because I
1: haven't been scared. Of, I haven't really been scared of ChatGPT because I'm like I always be able to do better because I have logic. But if they have a logic model that's at fifth grade and can, it's going to progress exponentially quicker, and you pair those two things together,
0: my I, I want to see what Sadio thinks. But I've got a fifth grader now, and frankly, he's a little bit better than me at math right now because it's been twenty years since I've been doing math. The only take I've got is that I really
2: like. OpenAI's definition of artificial general intelligence. When they say AGI, they mean highly autonomous systems that outperform humans at most economically valuable work. That is distinct from something that can think for itself. That's distinct from something that can become a paperclip machine. I don't think that is something to worry about existentially. It's something to worry about economically. And open AI are worried about that economically. They're thinking about that. But I feel confident that we can come up with some sort of solution to solve the economic problems. I might be a little bit maybe of an optimist in this sense, but I tend to think that more productivity from a system is a good problem to have. It can be a problem, but it's a good problem to have and we can cross that bridge when we come to it.
0: That kind of removes the, if your premise is correct, right? That removes the, this is not a Terminator situation. This is more a question about capitalism will keep increasing. And are we going to be able to handle it to make sure that people are able to provide for themselves? And do you have an optimistic take on that or a negative take on that? And that gets into economics. So that, that does make it a little bit less terrifying. Also, I still have plenty of concerns, (laughs) if it even goes there.
1: I mean, existential, I feel like we're defining as uh, world-ending, but the economic challenges I think could be borderline existential. I mean, I've seen reports that are predicting like 50 or 60% unemployment. The Great Depression was 25% unemployment. And uh, I, I mean they could just be clickbaity dooms saying reports but all the same if we're looking at that kind of
2: unemployment just whew, yeah universal basic income will save us
0: all <laughs> the other take on this is is this chaos theory <laughs> from the great dr malcolm the other take on this is that we just can't predict where big things like this are going to go right we can sit here and say we've got models, we've got background to look at, but this is all new territory. We don't really know what's going to happen, and um, I guess that's scary. So we, we try to say, well, this is what is likely to happen, or I'm pretty sure of this, but we don't really know.
1: Yeah. Is there any kind of product productive discussion that can come out of these discussions? We can talk about like if it's how scared we are or not. But, not you know, us fair enough. I was like, is there anything <laughs> we can do to prepare for this? We don't even know what we're preparing I for. I so. think
0: we can... Just consider what it means to be human to create on this earth. <laughs> and as for those of us who either have kids or friends or siblings where they're trying to figure out how does technology interact with their life in the future, we might actually be the worst people in the world for it, but I suspect we, we do know a lot. So maybe it's, it's like, hey, consider using these tools in your life going forward. Or here's a way to think about technology for your life, because we're at the cutting edge of seeing it once it's released. But then we have a lot of friends who are like, hey, I've been hearing about this chat GPT thing this last year. Is it worth my is it worth using? And then we can have those conversations.
1: That's a good point. I had a friend who's a well, he's a senior in college. He's a dev major. And he says, I refuse to use chat GPT. I, I, my initial reaction was dude you're gonna fall so far behind why don't let your pride get in your way get in there and start using it everyone else is using it start using it now really he's a he's, a, he's in college he probably shouldn't be using it for dev stuff you really should probably learn the fundamentals but at the end of the day once he gets out of college he's like yeah i'm gonna start
0: i, I saw this like crazy. really great uh, adam tots is this uh comic strip artist and someone ripped off one of his uh pieces it was a little conversation on reddit i saw this morning and the conversation went like this ai will be able to perfectly recreate and develop comic strips in five years so we can freak out about that or you can spend the next five years becoming a really good comic strip artist and try to build a career off that <laughs> and maybe then take that information and build something else. So at some point, replacement's going to happen on some level, but we also need to live life today and try and just figure out how to continue to be creative people who enjoy making things.
2: I, For me, I feel like my biggest, let's say, enjoyment from life comes from programming, music, and learning languages. Those are the things I love the most. And what I would say to your friend in college is that I have learned when I, when I sat down to learn Svelte uh, or various other programming languages, when I was diving back into Swift, there was no better teacher than ChatGPT because I could paste it some code and say, I don't understand what this is, what is happening here. And it could explain it. And I still didn't understand. I just asked again, I asked more specifically. And it's the same with Italian, like learning the past tense in Italian that I've been doing, it's, it gets really complicated and depends is the verb before the noun or after the noun. And I didn't get any of that, especially not from Duolingo and ChatGPT has been re- I, now, when I study Italian, I have Duolingo on one side of my iPad and ChatGPT on the other and when there's something i don't quite get i jump into chat gpt and say here was the translation what i thought it was was going to be this can you tell me why why it why what, what am i missing here and i have a conversation for 5 to 10 minutes talking about it and it's the same with music also uh, understanding very various, various chord structures and things like this i've learned so much and so rather than thinking about ai especially Sort of chat-based completion API as uh, sorry, AI as something that could potentially replace us and that we should be concerned about. Think about it as a teacher.
1: Yeah, I think in at the end of the day, instead of sitting here and worried about how we can outcompete AI and how can we can stay relevant with AI we need to be more thinking like this is no different. It's a market disruption and it's no different than the invention of the internet. People that didn't use the internet and people that stayed on paper, they, they, they fell behind. And so it's going to be the same thing here. It's just a matter of how can we utilize it and how can we use it to just boost our productivity and being excited about where it can take us personally, as opposed to being fearful of having to outcompete it, I think is a much.
0: I think if it's a tool that supports your thinking, because right now someone who has a lot of experience could take a notebook and a pen and go write a really great book that I would enjoy without a single bit of more advanced technology helping them. In the meantime, though, so there's a bit of like, we need to find spaces to just do nothing and think. But I'm reminded of um, when, what, what was it, Kasparov played chess against Deep Blue, IBM Deep Blue and what, what was that, 99, 2001, and he lost. And that was kind of a moment where AI, quote unquote, had defeated a human at chess. It was a big deal. What's happened in the intervening years is humans are using AI with chess and they're beating AI by itself. And so I take a little bit of solace in that, that, all right, let's just keep playing it at its own game and progressing forward and hope for the best.
1: Good points all around. I see here on the notes, uh, inductive reasoning versus deductive reasoning. Is this AI related or is this different? Follow-up from fractional. So
0: on fractional last week, Lance and I talked about communication at work. It's a book. And and the first chapter talks about inductive versus deductive reasoning. So Saudi and I have been texting all morning (laughs) on this topic. So I just want to bring it into the air. The context is if... You are trying to convey information. Which one am I doing right now, Sadia? Is this inductive or deductive?
2: You're you're doing inductive right now. You started off with a whole story about how, how you're talking on fractional.
0: <laughs> so there are two basic methods of communicating. One is, hey, Luke, I'm about to tell you a story about A, B, and C. And now I'm going to tell you the story. That's deductive. Inductive is I just jump into a story and I get to the result at the end. <laughs> I just wanted to chat with you both about this, that in life, I do a little bit of both. I'll sometimes tell my wife a story and she has no idea where it's going. And five minutes later, I'm like, and here's the point of it. In, in business, my premise based on the book is you generally want to be deductive first, which is, hey, team members, I need to talk to you about something. Here's the something, now I'll tell you why. Uh, so uh, Sadie and I have had a little bit of a debate on this, but first I'm curious, Luke, uh, do you know which one you are based on those definitions in general?
1: I'd say I'm very deductive only because I get frustrated when people are using inductive explanations. And I, my dad will probably listen to us. Love you, dad. But my dad is very inductive. He'll always start with a story and I'm like, where are we going with this? And then at the end, I'm like, oh, okay. And I would rather just tell me the point. Tell me why we're here. And then bam, 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 bam. And like you are like you say in business. I think that anyways, but that's that's what I am. We can talk more about it, but that's I'd say I'm more deductive.
2: I don't, dis- don't disagree with your premise as much as you think I do. You said that generally in business, it's better to be deductive. Okay, fine. I, I think deductive is, broadly speaking, generally a safe and effective tool. But there are times in business when you don't want to be safe and effective. You want to be super effective and you want to like really make a giant impact. And those are the times when you need to reach for inductive reasoning, but you need to understand inductive storytelling can also be risky. It can not work. It can completely fail. Your feet can fall under, from under you. And you get people like Luke having a conversation with his dad where he's like, dad, just get to the point. Well, that's not a failure exactly in the concept of inductive reasoning. That is a failure in storytelling. That means that Luke's dad hasn't told a great story. In fact, I would even go so far as to say that if Luke is there going, "What is what, what are we getting to? What are we getting to? Dad, tell me, tell me, tell me the story. That means Luke's engaged. He's listening. He's excited. He wants to know what's next. And when finally the point comes, that point is going to stick in his brain and he's going to really remember it and hold on to it. And that is the power of inductive reasoning.
0: My, my premise, though, is that Luke's dad has earned the right. Hi, Luke's dad. Has earned the right <laughs> to be inductive with his son, right? Like, who else would have the permission to basically just be inductive? Like, you care about him. You're going to yeah. hear his story. I don't know that just someone off the street can do that. And, and Luke's going to give him the time of day. He's just going to keep walking. It depends how good a storyteller you are, right? If you're able to grab someone and hold their
2: attention, you're a good storyteller. And it does make it easier. You're right. You have more leeway as a storyteller when somebody trusts you, when somebody knows you and is willing to give you the time of day. Of course, you have more wiggle room as a storyteller, but that's not, I I still think that if you're good enough, you can make more of an impact that way. And the point that I made to you earlier, I think is a really, really good one which is a phone, an iPod, and an internet communicator device. A phone, an iPod, and an
0: internet communicator. Are you getting it? Are you getting it? So this Th- is a this story. Is this is complete the, inductive One of the reasoning. best presentations ever where Steve Jobs introduced the iPhone, uh, for reference, like highly recommend just watching that five-minute clip again. Uh, I saw Luke was like, what is he talking about? It's it's a re- It's one of the best product presentations that have ever been done. And I remember where I was. I remember the room around me. Yes. So Steve Jobs got up
1: and said, a, f- a phone, an iPod. Oh, I he's talking about the first iPhone.
0: Yes. He's, he was what it feels like it was inductive. And he was telling a story. One of the best ways you could ever tell a story about the best product that ever existed. And so he didn't say we have a new iPhone. He's, he walked th- through a journey. And when he got to that moment where we all realized what he was actually saying, it was a big deal.
1: Yeah, I would say I'm a deductive person, but I I will say Joshua that I've I have been like intentionally trying to be better at inductive explanations cuz I've recognized is like it didn't it didn't land when I just came out with the premise. You know, I needed to be more artistic about how I delivered this idea. To argument.
0: be fair, the book does a really great job of you sometimes in work, you can't just say, "Oh, we need to I need a budget of a million dollars for this new pr- project." That's deductive. That does no one any good. What I probably need to say is, uh, there's I could say, hey, heads up, Luke. I'm gonna I, I have a budget request. Let me tell you why. But inductive would be, all right. We've been doing this thing with our team where we've been developing this product, and I, I need to figure out a way to pull you in with the story, and then say, and by the way, we need a million dollars. Sometimes you have to do inductive because other it, there's a there's a dance with both. It's only a million dollars.
1: Yeah, Framing and buttering people up is a huge part of selling something. So that's all inductive. Yeah.
2: One of my favorite things to do is to like take a book and tear down the premise. You know, I think it's like the tall poppy syndrome in me. It's it's like here's someone spent so much time mm-hmm. developing a book. And and really with a book, you have to, it's almost uh, part of it is you have to come across as if you've figured this out. This is how it is. And there's nothing that brings me quite so much joy as going, no, nah, you're wrong. So I'm probably a little biased in that. I just
0: I, I just like to tear things down, man. I don't know if you've seen this thing on Reddit where basically every story is the same, where people will use the same title, which describes two movies. It's like two dudes go on a journey and they get rid of something. Well, that could be Lord of the Rings, one of the best stories you're ever going to read or watch or that could be something that's completely forgettable that's a netflix trash and just being purely deductive is not helpful in this context i want to the 30-hour journey if it's a book or the 11-hour journey if it's a movie to just really experience that for myself
1: (laughs) this has been fascinating i this is something that's been rattling around in my brain honestly for a while and i haven't put words to it are we calling it the right thing with inductive reasoning deductive reasoning it's all. i mean it's almost like deductive explanation versus inductive explanation because it's not quite
2: well, we have we have to link to the book right like what is this book mastering communication at work and to be fair i haven't read it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes it, it's the first chapter though so it's it you can quickly get into and decide if you like where this is going the premise is really like if you <laughs> want to do better with colleagues you need to understand the difference between these two and use them appropriately I hate reading business books. I always have.
2: And I think that that is part of my personality being more inductive and less deductive. You know, the thing about business, and th- that's why these services exist that just dot point the whole thing for you. Great. That's all I need. Just don't give me, if you're going to tell a story, don't give me the end straight up at the very start. So that probably has something to do with my uh, bias towards inductive reasoning here.
1: Saudi is a romantic at heart. Just, just spin them some yarn. We're thankful to all our listeners for joining us for a little bit of yarn uh, this afternoon. Again, we'd like to link to our email uh, email at ultrapromax.fm, spelled out email at ultrapromax.fm. Shoot us a shoot us an encouraging word, or shoot us a uh, tear us down. We're the tall poppy, tear us down. Tell us what we could do better, um, and uh, give us topic ideas, topic suggestions, all that stuff. Uh, we would love to hear from you guys.
0: All right. I have a quick after show today, actually. So on Fractional, Lance and I finally figured out what our thing is. And this was episode 32 published and like five unpublished. We finally figured out what our thing is. He is going to argue for leadership in a company, why they're making good decisions. I'm arguing for individual contributors in a company, why they're making good decisions. And at the end of the day, both of us generally we have a lot of empathy for each other. So we ultimately respect that the slightly different variations, but we're going to double down on that in in the coming episodes where I'll talk about unions maybe, or he might talk about um, why mass layoffs are valuable. I'm being a little bit over generalizing here. And what I'm curious about is we're 10 published episodes in, are we feeling good about our, our personas? Like what, who we are? And I'll start off that I don't think I do yet. I'm still figuring it out, but it was fun that I think we finally started to find our voice on another uh, podcast. So yeah, I'm curious how you guys are feeling.
1: I think I've I think I've kind of found my voice maybe.
0: And to be clear, we were doing that for already like 10 episodes but i think we finally realized it and like codified it in our minds
1: i mean right now in my brain i'm the i'm the junior developer career person just getting advice from you two honestly that's that's how i feel and i'm kind of lobbing stuff up pitching stuff to you guys and
0: what's my persona you tell me i all right well i can i can tell you your persona easily your persona is you just have a love for technology it's just one of your great joys in life along with you know half dozen other things And it is so fun for you to just tinker with, dive in and discuss how all these things will kind of affect your life. You also like to have the contrarian takes just to have conversation. You don't want people all saying, I agree, I agree, I agree. That's boring. So even if ultimately you don't really think differently than me, you'd rather poke at that a little bit to see if it sparks more conversation. I think You you got me. Yes. You've got to have that on a podcast to some extent. No, you don't. (laughs) Point proven. For for me, I just want to go on deep tangents about things and hope that half of them are interesting. That's really all. That's what I care about. And I also uh, just enjoy chatting with a few other people and... (laughs) I like planning out my conversations with friends. I, I don't like, uh, my life is so busy.
1: <laughs> Agendas <laughs> yes. sent to friends for catch up time.
0: My life is is so busy that I don't have a lot of um, extra bandwidth right now just to hop on a call. But it's like, all right, if it, this is in an official way, this is part of my plan for the week. I can do it. So that that's me. I think for you, Luke, the the reason. <laughs> do, Luke, do Luke next. It, it, <laughs> I, all right. This is a little bit about age, but it's more about, I just see brightness in you. (laughs) I was
1: a bright puppy dog, hasn't been tarnished by life yet. You
0: haven't quite, I mean, we've all, life is hard for all of us, so I'm not, I'm not discrediting that, but I see that you're like, oh, I'll go learn this thing. It's a new thing. I'm excited to figure it out. Versus I've got just enough of life in me that I'm like, well, I tried that last time. All right, I I guess I'll try it again. You've had enough experience to absolutely run with life, but not so much that you've my perception is that life sucks. <laughs> we'll see how this proceeds in the coming episodes, uh, but I think it's kind of fun to look at the meta of it. I love it. All right. I think we need some little dinger. I need to get a little steam stream deck or something to make sounds. All right, that's it. I'm going to stop the recording.